Hello, I'm your host, Callum Insel, and welcome back to the Rugby League Review in association with Prost International. We're back with another episode. This one will just be a Q&A, and we've got another player guest for you. This time, it's Lee Centurion's talisman, Ryan Briley. Over the course of the episode, we'll be bringing you a lengthy chat with a former Huddersfield man and now Lee player. We'll be, taking, we'll be talking to him about all things Rugby League, how he got into the game, his time at the Centurions, and life back in Super League. Joining me again is Ben and Ethan. More importantly, though, it's time to introduce the man. Ryan, how are you, mate? Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. No worries. First of all, we'll come to Ben. Ben, we all know you are a, a Lee fan. We'll uh, let you kick things off with a few questions for Ryan. Yeah, I think, obviously, the, the place to start, um, Ryan, is how did you just get into the sport? I think that's always an interesting thing to sort of to learn from guests. Yeah, I think it was, it was it was more my dad. Um, even though he wasn't uh, he wasn't a professional, he just played like for his local I think his local pub team to be honest. Um, but yeah, he kind of t- took me to. He was a bit. He was a big Salford fan, so he took me to Salford games when I was younger. Um, so just kind of got the bug, bug from there really, um, which was which was pretty cool. So just kind of stuck with me from then. So I kind of joined my local team when I was like five years old, I think. Um, but yeah, just just loved it ever since and. That's all I ever wanted to be. I wanted to be a professional relief player. Um, even when I was at school, I was, I was, I was speaking yesterday, um, and I was talking about the fact that it was a case of what do you want to be when you're when you're uh, older. And it was always a, a, a professional relief player for me. So I never I never did anything different. So that that was just the way it was. Yeah, and obviously I know that you you're you're a big football fan, a big Preston North End fan. It was never in your sort of mind to. Wanted to be a footballer? Was it always sport and rugby league? Yeah, I, yeah. Obviously, big Preston North End fan. For, just for, obviously, I was born there, um, so obviously, all my family kind of, from my mum's side especially, was was always Preston football. Um, but I just think just because I was I was more exposed to the rugby, just uh, kind of took that path. Obviously, I, I had trials with Preston when I was uh, sixteen. Got released when I was uh, I was sixteen. So just I probably just didn't, wasn't good enough, if I'm honest. Um, I managed to make a bit of a career in rugby league, so that's kind of the, the where I where I followed. And to be fair, probably what what I was most passionate about, to be, to be honest. Yeah. No, did you sort of come straight into a lee side, or was the opportunities elsewhere that maybe didn't sort of come off? Um, you know, before coming to the Centurions. Yeah, I, I was at um, I was at Castleford at the time, and I, mean, I think I remember Ian Millward left Lee to go to Castleford, and then just mentioned to me about obviously playing playing first team rugby and playing against men I suppose so uh, made sense that it being so local to just around the corner obviously I live in West Austin so literally just around the corner um, and just just give me a, a, an an idea and and, and playing at all a bit of an exposure to playing against men for the first time which was uh, massive for my development so um, yeah it was, was really good Re- really uh, a really good experience for me and and was a, a real good uh, stepping stone for, for what I've obviously achieved in my career so far. We had um, Tom Davis on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, Ryan, and he said he started his career off at halfback. Did you start off yours at fullback, or were you all playing all different positions? Um, I think I started as a hooker, um, but then I realised that I'd, I'd have to do a lot of tackling, so I sacked that <laughs> right off. Um, <laughs> so I saw, yeah, so I kind of worked my way out. So. Uh, I'll say majority of my career I've been been a half back and obviously probably the last uh, last twelve months more developed into a full back and um yeah, re- really enjoy it to be fair. I probably would say I, I enjoy it more than more than half back now, I probably get more of a bit, bit of a free roll and can kinda of get my hands on the ball when, whenever I want, uh, rather than whenever I need. So 
Um, no, it's good. It, I say it's been a, been a been quite a journey. So I said, really looking forward to the next stage of I mean, development as a, as a as a fullback, really. You get to avoid them big men up the middle as well. Yeah, exactly. That keep me as far away from that as possible. Yeah, and obviously such a long-standing sort of relationship with the league. I know. I mean, I've spoke to you previously about this, obviously, and for Prost. Um, but you know, just sort of touch on for us what it was like to to leave the club in in 2016. Obviously, you know, we, we as I said, we've discussed it before. It was reported to be under a dark cloud when that wasn't really the case, was it? No, I, th- I think the media made it out to be a lot, a lot more dramatic than it was. Um, and I, I don't get me wrong, I, I have regrets about it and how I, how, how I handled it. I thought I was handling it the right way. Um, looking back, I'd have probably done things a little bit different. But I think the club would have done things differently as well. I think, I think just because I was such a major part of the club and had that such a, a strong relationship with the fans, um, it was very, it was, it was always going to be a car crash whenever I left. And I don't think I could have done it on any better terms as such. I just think it was always going to be messy uh, when, when I, I suppose it'd be the same with, with Ridyard or, for, or McNally, I suppose at that point, it was just a case of a, a quite prominent figure in, in, in a very good team. And I don't think you can kind of do it nicely, especially when Derek was so passionate about keeping me as well. But I think the, the, the be all and end all for me was that I needed to play Super League and um, I didn't want to go there and then, but I just wanted to explore the options of, of, of who was available to me, to me, and that was that was the biggest thing for me. I just I just needed to know what was out there, where my best options was, um, and because it kicked off like it did, it probably gave me no way back to be honest. Because I didn't actually want to leave that year. It was just a case of speaking to everyone and speaking to uh, having the permission to speak to clubs for the year after, um, and to and, and if if Lee didn't get promoted, then I'll, then I'll say I would have moved. Um, but it was just a case of having to know what the issues was, what 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 clubs were interested, um, and also when once the interest become a bit too strong at, at that current time, there was probably no way back for me at Lee then. Um, so I, I had to make the move, and and I, and I think I think Lee did as well. I think I think it it was it would have been a bit messy if I'd have gone back. So um, yeah, it needed to be done there and then really. Obviously, you made your move to Huddersfield. Can you just talk about your time there and how how you found it? Yeah. Um, Good. It, I just think I probably got probably more more my fault than anything. I, I probably got the timing wrong. Um, so when I went in, they, they wanted me to be a fullback, and I've I'd never played fullback in my life. So they kind of wanted me to play fullback, but I was kind of learning on the job. So I was learning how to be a super league player for one, and learning a brand new position as well. So it was a bit of a nightmare um, in that sense, in in terms of just the whirlwind of it. And obviously, the guy who signed me as a fullback who also give me a four four year deal who had see, see, saw a massive future with me. He got sacked after about four games, so mm-hmm. I was kind of left with it with that. Where well, wow, I didn't, the coach who signed me now is now gone. So I'm like, well, what happens here then? So a new coach came in, saw me as a halfback. So I'm just a, had a massive like flip of emotions and flip of knowledge to trying to right figure out where they wanted me. Um, and then I think we went into the next season. I played a couple a couple of games uh, and I got I got dropped and, I just, and my head just fell off a little bit. I just thought I'd been moved from half back to full back, half back to full back, and I'm thinking, well, where do I stand here? And obviously, I had the, an offer from obviously from Toronto came in uh, transfer fee to Huddersfield, and, and and they said and they said, listen, we're, we're happy to accept it. So I was like, well, it probably shows you're happy for me to go. And so obviously, the, for me, the money didn't change. I was still on the same deal, same money, all that kind of stuff. So. I, 
I, I just thought, well, I've had a bit of a nightmare 18 months, to be honest. And a lot of the players who I knew from Lee was at Toronto, you Liam Kay, Bob Bezic, them kind of people. So I just thought, you know what, I just need to find some sort of spark and love again because I was falling out of love with the game. I hated the game. I hated watching rugby. I hated speaking to rugby players. It was really doing my head in. Um, so I just found the love back. I went to a different country. Uh, loved the place, fell in love with the fans. It was it was awesome, such an unbelievable experience in, in my career, uh, and, and and was possibly probably the best two to three years in in my life as well. So no, it was an awesome experience, and um, I, I I wouldn't like to blame Huddersfield for anything. I just felt I just got caught in a bit of a transitional period um, where I wasn't patient enough to 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 see that through. I just wanted to enjoy myself again. Is it a case of the right club at the wrong time, Ryan? Um, no, I don't think it was. I don't think it was the the right club. If I'm honest, yeah. uh, I, I thought I, it was probably more of a financial decision. Uh, if I'm going to be completely honest, it was more of a financial decision to look after my family. Um, looking back now, there's a couple of other teams interested, and I, and I should I sh- probably should have gone to the other one. Um, just because of the trend, looking at the looking at the the, the situation when it was, they were also doing. They'd won the league leaders of the year before Huddersfield, and they'd lost a few players, um, and a few players were obviously another year older. So probably wasn't going to be back up there for a number of years. So that that was the the reason for signing me for the future, really, like and, and, and start again, getting a lot of young players and young British players and start again. But I wasn't as I wasn't patient enough for that. I don't think I want. I think I wanted to go into a ready-made team where I was going to be a superstar again, like I had been at Lee. Um, so yeah, more my fault than anything. The I wasn't patient enough to, to sit it out. I'll let Ethan sort of go into the, the Canadian adventure with you uh, a little bit later on. But just before we, we move on to that, I want to get sort of, you know, a little personal question out of the way in terms of you talk about, you know, learning to be a Super League player when, you you know, you move to Huddersfield. And obviously that becomes full-time. At Lee before that, it was sort of a mix of part-time and full-time and, and you know, switching back in and stuff. Was there anything that you did away from the game at that time or had it always just been rugby league for yourself? You know, I know that a few players did have part-time jobs as well at some points. I worked a little bit in the community, so doing the coaching for the for the, for the the league kids and stuff like that. So that, I, I enjoyed that. I was with Heather and uh, Hannah at the community trust. So I, I went to school and delivered like anti-bullying programmes and stuff, which I loved it. Um, which, which again, probably... probably uh, is the reason for why I was so close to the, to, to the fans because the kids who came on a match day, I'd, I'd been in school with them all, all week, like playing rugby with them. So uh, that that was the that looking back, that was the hardest thing I did when I left, knowing that I had to, knowing that I was kids' heroes and having to let them down. And, and cause I've I've been there as a, as a as a as a Preston fan, as a Salford fan, when y- your best players leave. And it's heartbreaking as a, as a kid. You just think that's the be all. You, you want to be that person. So that was the hardest thing, letting them. And and it it was really difficult to see them kids and them families and them parents what I'd done a lot for, then start slagging me off. Um, that 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 was tough to do. That and that was the, that was the hardest thing out of the whole thing. Is I think I remember going round a house and dropping some signed boots off or whatever it was for for a poorly uh, for a poorly kid. And then the next thing I know, her mum and dad are abusing me on Instagram or Twitter or whatever it was. And I just thought, wow, that that, that was a real eye-opener for me. Um, which is probably why I've gone a little bit colder towards it now. Like, probably don't get as emotionally involved with fans and stuff. I kind of keep myself to myself. And 
more of a private person. And it's probably it's probably not not a lot of fans' fault like how, how I am where they am now. But I just it just uh, it scarred me a lot. So I just I just stay pretty reserved now around that kind of stuff. Yeah. So as Ben said, we'll we'll talk about your time over in Toronto. Obviously, you said you got your uh, the deal at Huddersfield. What was your initial thoughts when you got when you were informed of that offer from them? Uh, well, I kind of knew it was happening in the background because I was I was close to Paul Rowley, so I, I kind of knew it was kind of coming. Um, just excited that, that, from when I, when I was being to the boys who were there, they they loved it. They, it was just something different, so like so refreshing than than the usual rugby league stuff. So, and it, I think it's weird because when you was old, when you're over there, no one watches rugby, so no one watches Super League back home. So even like the, the results on the weekend none, like none of the players really spoke about rugby it was just a different way of life so just nice to get out the bubble if I'm, if I'm honest get out the bubble of it um, experience different different life culture and, and, and a different way of living um, yeah different lifestyle just brilliant just I, I, I like the big city type type feel so I, I really enjoyed myself so it was um, like I said before really a really positive time in, in my career in my life and it, it was when I got the offer, obviously, it, it didn't take uh, it didn't take much convincing, to be honest. Ryan, just talk to us about the, the the culture in in Canada with the fans. What was that like? You know, playing in front of the Toronto fans. How did they how did they take to it? The Wolfpack. I think it's um, I think it's a very, it's very how do I say uh, the right word for it. It's very prominent in American sport that it's actually not the eighty minutes of sport that they're interested in. It's just about the actual game day experience and, and the drinking and the party atmosphere, if I'm honest. I know we, we had we had Pete fans coming in half an hour, an hour late to games, not even bothered about the result, not even bothered about the rugby, just bothered about the party atmosphere, the the beer garden. It's just the whole game day experience. Like I was I was literally saying before, when I watched the the Raptors, the basketball and the baseball, you don't even watch the you don't even watch the game really. It was just a case of everyone getting behind it and, and, and having a bit of fun. So even with with uh, with our game, no one had a, had a clue what was going on. Eight thousand people didn't have a clue what the rules were. It, it was nice because no one ever booed the ref because no one knew the rules anyway. So like, and, and, and even if you played bad, no, one, you didn't get slagged off because no one knew. No one knew you played bad, and there wasn't. But and even like after the game, it was they all shake, shake your hand, they're all chanting the name. Just just it's just a a very fanatical um, place without 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 the knowledge and the education of the actual rules and, and the way the game's supposed to be played. So it was just, like I said before, that the biggest compliment I can give it is just, the, it was just refreshing, just different and got me out of the, the bubble. Um, the way the fans were, were, were unbelievable. Just all about the game day experience. And um, it was a, it was a, every, every game there was a party. Just loved, loved rocking out there. And even like, even in breaks of the game, just looking around and there's hot dogs being flown around, like beer being thrown around and, Flags, flares, just and just singing for the full eighty minutes, and not even paying attention to what's going on. Really, just just having a good time. And I think that that sort of element is is missed it in sport now. The actual enjoyment of it, and that's that's I'm talking fans and players. It's it's weird at the moment. I, I struggle to watch rugby league game just because I just think the fun has been zapped out. Like I said, is. The, the the I don't I say the the confrontational stuff with between players that gets drawn out now that gets calm it's just like I don't know I just think there can be such it's because it's such a gladiatorial sport I think it, they're trying to 
drain the life out of it. And so, so it's good. Like, we, 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 you boys on here today, just, just actually showing some interest and, and still trying to fight and show a bit of uh, respect for players and what they, what they're doing and what they're going through. It's nice just to build a bit of exposure book up about it because I just don't think there's enough. Yeah, staying on the same lines in terms of sorry respect. Was it how difficult is it when obviously you know most weeks in when Wolfpack were in the championship, you know you were turning up and without a game is never won before a ball is kicked or you know thrown, but you know when you're going into games and dominating and and winning so much. What was your opinion on the you know the competitiveness of the championship being lowered because of that? I think obviously you know credit to yourself for for eventually you know getting up and and stuff. But I think you know as, as a Lee fan, it did sort of it didn't pain me to say it, but I think it, it definitely reduced the competitiveness of, of an already difficult league when you're at the bottom of it, for example. Yeah, what I will say is like what I said. I'll make reference to it earlier that because. We wasn't in the rugby league bubble at the time. We didn't really care, so it was just a case of enjoying each other's company in the week, going for different meals, going for different coffees, going for just exploring the city, and playing rugby on a Saturday. We wasn't involved in the politics or the the ins and outs of what was going on. Like even the when the like league season collapsed at the end of that season, about when all the players were being sold and stuff, we never really had a clue what was going on. Like, remember it was weird. I remember watching a, a game. Um, Watched a, Le- a Leeds game and and Jordy Thompson was playing for him. I was like, I thought he played for Leeds. So I didn't. We didn't really mu- have much knowledge of what's what was going on, to be honest. Um, because just because we was way out of the loop. So I know I remember, uh, and and because of the time zone as well, people never like in, people in rugby never really used to text us because obviously it was always out of the time zone. So we never really got b- back to him. So we just never had any, any news. And even like you guys, like you, any interviews we were doing. No one ever bothered us over there because they, they couldn't have the time zone and we weren't available. So it's like, it's weird. we just never, we were never in the bubble. So we never had any sort of interest or, or of self agenda towards what was going on in the league. Or it was just a case, right, who we were playing this week, right, win that game and, and move on. Yeah, was not, there was no real focus on the league or it was just week to week, enjoying ourselves, enjoying each other's company. And I was still, like I said, we more often than not won the game on the Saturday then. Out Saturday night in the city, and that's just, just living the dream, were we? <laughs> <laughs> and then, obviously, come the end of sort of 2019, there was a little loan back to Lee. First of all, what was it that that triggered that, and was that the sort of taste when you got it to sort of come back over to England? Obviously, I know that the permanently return wasn't straight away after that, but was that just a sort of taste to you know I am missing home a little bit, or was it just a case of you know in, enjoying rugby again? I, I just love the club, don't I? Like, I, don't think, I don't think it's a secret. I, I, I love the club. Um, I love everything about it. So any chance I got to go back was obviously was the one. Um, obviously, they said at the end of that year, I wanted to stay. Uh, Lee wanted me to stay. But it was hard because I was in the middle of like settlement with Toronto. So it got to like December. And Leah said, Lee said, listen, we're going to have to move on because we're prepping for a season and we don't know if Toronto are going to let you go. Um, so they moved on, and uh, which was understandable. And then also, whole KR came in for me, which was good because it kept me in Super League, kept me stock high. So um, that's it. But I always knew deep down, I kind of wanted, even now, I want to, I don't know what's going to happen, obviously, within this year with relegation and all that kind of stuff. We just, no one knows what's going on. But 
I, I'd love to finish my career off at Lee. I think that's, I think that'd be very, um, I was not, for me, that'd be the right way to do it. I, I want to finish my career at Lee and, and, and hopefully stay at the club in, in some sort of capacity. I've got no real desire to be a, a coach as such, but um, some sort of but like board member, backroom staff in terms of upstairs, office kind of general manager, head of rugby, recruitment. I, 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 I do get interested in all that, by all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I, it was it was awesome to get the chance to come back. Um, and I had a couple of Super League offers at the end of end of last season. Uh, and and when when Lee came in, it just for me it just just fits just fits and it's just like I say it's home for me. Before we get on to this season, Ryan, there's a segment I like to put to all, all our guests. Uh, I call the Rugby League Sevens, which is a side you've got to select, a seven-a-side team. You've got to select the players you've played with throughout your career. You can either put yourself in there or you can be the coach. So I'm putting you on your toes here. Who's your, who's your seven? Well, I'm definitely putting myself in it. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. So, so I've got six more. Six more. Who you played with for your career? Uh, Lachlan Coo. Yeah. Uh, Bob Bezik, Ricky Latelli, yeah, uh, Martin Ridyard, uh, Adam Ixon, because he'll yeah. kill me if I don't pick him. Gee, <laughs> Christ, firefighter, uh, yeah, he's a firefighter. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I need a prop, don't I? I'm not got a prop in there, yeah, you need a big man, um, just for just for pure comedy value, Jake Kemet. <laughs> fair, fair squad and a couple one Who, who's one player you don't look forward to playing against uh, I don't look forward to playing against um, yeah, that's a good question uh, so I think which is, which is worth whether it's a big back rower or just someone who's, who's very good uh, <laughs> I'll tell you who's a nightmare um, now anyway because I'm a, cause I'm a full back Jordan Abdul with his kicks. Jeez. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. He's a he's a nightmare. Um, Paulie Paulie was a nightmare when I was playing halfback. He was running straight over the top of me every week. Um, to put, uh, Mickey McLaurin, he's just aggressive in here. It's just mm. I just don't need that. Uh, <laughs> in the sun. We played. At, I think we played at Wigan when I was at Lee in the cup. And Sam Tompkins was just untouchable. And even now, he's, he's classing it, but just yeah. uh, unplayable. Like, especially when he was, of course, he, he slowed down a little bit now, but he makes up for it with his brains. But mate, when he was electric, just, no one could touch him that year. It was ridiculous. So, yeah, a couple there. But, um, yeah, I, I reckon uh, Abdul's the, the worst one at the moment with, it, with them, with them bombers. He, he needs to calm down with them. <laughs> Is he the player you... Like to play alongside the most, or is it someone else who comes to mind straight away? Um, play that to play with. I, th- I think I'd like to play. Oh, there's there's a couple because that's the answer. I think I'd like to play with with Johnny Lomax. I think he's a bit. He think he's a freak. Uh, I think he's so good. Um, I think I'd like to play with Liam Farrell as well. I think. Just for his consistency level, I think, especially as a halfback growing up, I think he he he'd be good um, to play alongside because he'd do all my tackling as well, which would be outstanding. <laughs> and tell you what, I'd love, love to play as a fullback, so I could I could sling in the ball. Tommy, probably Tommy Makinson. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and you know what? And, and I know, and I know he plays for England, and I, and I know 
Saints fans love him, but I just think he's still underrated here, like because of how small he is and how, how actually hard he runs. It's a, it's, a, it's a joke, really. Like he's just got no respect for his body. So um, I just think it's it's underrated how, how actually good he is. He is yeah, though. I think he I think he proved that in the uh, 2019 Grand Final when he dislocated his shoulder and carried on playing. Yeah, he's unbelievable. He's, yeah, he's he's so tough and brave, but yeah, he doesn't seem to get the plaudits like Tom Johnson does. But yeah, I I just I'd have Tommy in my team every day a week. And you know, moving on to to this season now, Ryan. Obviously, it's been you know quite a tough one at times. Um, just wanted to ask, how has it been to playing? Obviously, back in Super League at, at short notice, getting ready for it, etc. But you know, it still must be great to play in what is the country's best league for rugby league, and you know, in, in the country. Yeah, it's a real strange question, is because I I've loved it. I've absolutely loved it. And and don't get me wrong, often my form's been been pretty pretty decent um so it's easy for me to but as much as we're getting beat I, i've loved it I, I i'd honestly i prefer to be playing supling and, and going through what we're going through at the moment than than going to barrow or batley in the championship it, i just i just struggle for motivation with it so I, i'd rather always be playing in the top league for me I, i'd always want to play super league so um i i've loved it I, I just compete, so whoever it is against, I just try and compete as hard as I can. Um, I just like going to Leeds Stadium, like Hull FC, my favourite stadium. Uh, Wigan away, I'm, I'm gutted obviously this week. I won't be able, I won't be able to play, but um, yeah, I just you want to play the pinnacle, don't you? And, and, and regards whatever the result is, I'll just try my hardest every week. But as long as I'm playing at the top level, that's that's where I need to be. Do you think, with obviously the fact you've not won a game yet this season, do you think the boys can can, can go to Wigan this week? Obviously, Wigan are sort of getting back on their feet. I know they lost to Warrington in the week, but I suppose they weren't too far off. Um, you know, it was a mistake-ridden game, really. But do you think that you know Lee can go to Wigan and, and get that first win, or do you think it will still be a, a tough ask? Oh, it's definitely a tough ask. I think no matter what what Wigan team. They throw out. I think we're going to ways. It's always going to be one of your toughest games of, this, of the year. So, um, but it's a derby. Like we, we, we all speak, don't we, about form goes out, kind of goes out the window with, with derby games. So, um, I think you're going to see a very different Lee side, if I'm honest, from from what we um, when we tossed up against uh, Leeds our last game, so like probably a month month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been very uh, when I've been watching the guys, the intensity of training has gone up a few levels and I'm not talking a bit of shouting and screaming the, the movements of how quick the movements are now I think Aggie's done a real good job of sparking a little bit of something different in terms of the defensive cycle um, so again I'm, I'm, I'm always a bit confident in our boys but I, I, I genuinely believe you're, you'll see a very different Lee side on, on, on Sunday I think the last game was July the 1st I think if I'm right against uh against Leeds and obviously it's this weekend it's the 1st of August so it's a full month since the last game has that month helped us decide obviously you've had a few injuries as well in during that period so you've come back yeah I, I think so I think it's helped us massively and more so probably uh, helped Kurt the head coach just to get his principles and philosophies across uh, I think I think he um, needed that time if I'm honest to just strip everything back Understand what was going right and wrong, what was going wrong. Make a few changes and and train for a good, uh, good four weeks and in, in, in getting that right. So that's what, when I talk about training intensity, it's mm-hmm. that type of stuff, that that effort on effort type stuff. What what Kurt wanted wanted to instill in us, and 
And knowing that it's not going to be perfect, but finding a way to solve it, I just think sometimes we've probably tried to be a little bit too te- not not technical, but bit, be a bit too pretty and a bit too normal. But rugby league's chaotic. There's, there's people defending where they shouldn't be defending. There's people throwing balls where they shouldn't be. And it's, it's not the game's not like that anymore. It's too quick. It's too it's too chaotic. So uh, it's about solving a problem, moving on to the next one. Solving a problem, moving on to the next. So. No, it's been good. When I've been going out uh, watching, it, it's, it's definitely gone up a few levels. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see the boys on on Sunday. I'm I'm, I'm keen to to see if it can translate into the game. Obviously, with Ben being a season to get hold of, he's seen Lee a lot of this all the home games this season. I've also covered him as well for us. Uh, I'm looking at watching the games. You've probably been arguably the best player this season. I know the eye injury has called you out for the rest of the season. How is that at the moment? Yeah, yeah, it's not great. Um, also, when it happened, I, also when I saw the blood, I just thought oh, I've just been like kind of split my eyelid as such. So mm-hmm. didn't think anything more. I mean, obviously I was blind in that eye, so I couldn't see a thing. So I didn't know what was going on. But um, I just thought I'll wipe the blood. I'll be I'll be fine to to kind of play on. Um, and then they realised my eye was fully closed. It was like, listen, we can't leave you. And I was like, all right, sweet. So um, I got in the chain room, got it, got it all cleaned up. Saw a few specialists um, and. After about two weeks, I got I got a, it got a lot better. So all the kind of swelling had gone, but I was still getting double vision. So I saw the specialist again, and he just said, "I want to clear, I just want to clear something up for, for more for uh, just to rule it out, really, and just as a precaution." I said, "What?" He said, "Well, because you're getting double vision, you might have a uh, a broken eye socket." I was like, "All right, wow!" Like, obviously, didn't really expect to to kind of hear that. And then yeah. um, a couple of days later, I had a scan, and then I got a phone call off the the, the specialist, and he, and he said. Um, he just said, "How's your eye getting on?" I said, "Yeah, obviously still got the double vision." He said, "Yeah, I think I know why." I said, "Why?" Well, he said, "Oh, you, you got a broken eye socket." So I said, "Oh, so what? What's the stage now?" I said, "Well, you'll probably need surgery." So I was like, "Right, brilliant." Um, so I kind of want to get that booked in as soon as I can. So I was supposed to have it last Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And I had a, I had another scan just to make sure everything was okay before you kind of operate, and they found like a bleed behind the eye on the muscle, like a little blood clot on the, on the eye. So. I've got to let that drain now for six weeks and then have the operation uh, if, if needed. So, yeah, frustrating. Um, yeah, not much to say. Like, it, it, like what you said before, I'm probably in the form of my life at the moment as, as an all-round, all-round package. Um, and, you know, I think the most frustrating thing is I want to help. And, and like, when it, it kind of hurts that when, when you are playing so well in, in such good form, you know you can kind of make a difference and, and help your team. And that's that's the most frustrating thing, knowing I can't help the boys on Sunday, um, because we because we all work hard and and, and we and we're, we're desperate for that two points, uh, and and that's the most heartbreaking thing, not being able to help and just not knowing when when I want to be back out there. It, it's a tough one. It's tough, it's tough to take, and and I've been quite lucky with injuries in the past, and it's a bit of a nightmare because vi- visually it doesn't look too bad. It's a bit swollen, a bit sore, and a bit closed, but. There's not, there's not with, a, with an ankle or a knee. You kind of know when you kind of when the end get, end goal is. This one you kind of don't really know. And, and when they start saying stuff about if if they'd, if they'd have gone in, so if, if they'd gone in the surgery on the Wednesday, if they if they disturbed the blood clot, I could have gone blind. So when they start saying stuff like that, that yeah. kind of puts life into perspective. Also, I've got a little girl, six year old, and um, when you start talking things like that, it, it's pretty scary. Yeah, so so. As frustrating as it is, uh, health has got a tech, tech price at this one. And, and, I, and I did say, once, once my double vision is gone, 
I'll just wear one of them, them face guards, um, like uh, like all the footballers do, like when they when they, they do the cheap ball. So I'll yeah. I'll play. I'll always put my hand up to play if if it's uh, if my vision's okay. Just once that vision's fine, I'll put my hand up to play. Whether whether it's right thing or wrong thing to do, I, c- I can't leave my my teammates out there without me. I need to back back out there. Yeah, and you know, obviously, best wishes from all of us. Um, but Thank just you. before, just before we wrap up, I want to ask you about your, you know, you know, your, your side business, shall we call it, the players' player. Um, you know, very interesting. So, just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so it's it's a sports management uh, company. So, um, when I was going through the, the the stuff at Toronto, I kind of I was doing a, a master's degree in sports business management. I uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. Um, then kind of come out of that and because and I, I didn't get trep very well and, and I, I was having to do a lot of things myself so speak to the union speak to solicitors speak to lawyers um about what was going on so i just felt i was doing the kind of the job what an agent would do anyway um but for myself and i just thought i would never want any of my plays to go through a day of what i went through for for 18 months at toronto it was, it was horrific Obviously, can't go into to, to too specific detail but it was horrific kind of what i went through there um the 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 nightmare of, of situations kind of put in was I will I won't wish that on anyone so um, kind of many things I kind of wanted to be an agent but but in in football I again fell out of love with rugby a little bit again wanted to do it in football um, just because like, it was a clean slate something totally brand new something what I like doing and and the, the brutal honesty of it just the the money in football is better than rugby so um, kind of did it that way and kind of what happened was. My uh, ex-teammate Corey Patterson, um, he had a cafe, and a lot of the uh, Man City girls used to go in there. Um, and the, the captain Steph Orton, who's the England captain at the moment, Steph Orton, Alex Greenwood, they, they all kind of went to his cafe and kind of mentioned that one of the um, one of the young girls uh, had kind of got just been released from her, not been released. Uh, she, she, the agent she was with, he had to go and work for James Milner, uh, but he wasn't allowed to take any of the players with him. So she was kind of left with no agent. Uh, so literally had a chat, uh, and within a couple of days, it was it was weird because I was still I still wasn't sure whether I could do it. And obviously, alongside playing, but I knew if I didn't take her on, I'd have, I'd have regretted it. Um, and that obviously she's played for England and, and Man City now. So, um, so it, just a big thing, mate. Like the she's she's just signed a new deal with Puma. Um, so dealing with. Dealing with Puma as a company, dealing with Man City as a as a club, Man United, uh, Everton, Leicester, uh, people that are going to them training grounds, just a different level, it's just a different world, um, and that's why I want to be involved. And, and I think the the only thing, well, listen, agencies are such a, a corrupt, weird world, um, and there's such a, a slime ball tactics going on in terms of getting, especially the men's game. Um, picking players up at 12, 13 year old, which is crazy, and like offering them thousands of uh, pounds to come up to sign with them at such a young age. We don't really do that because, we, well, we can't, for one, we can't compete with that. But for two, we, the, what we kind of say to our players from the start is the only thing we can guarantee is we actually care. We actually care about you. Um, so when you've been dropped, when you've been released, we'll an- when you ring, we'll answer the phone. So we have a policy in our, in our company where it's a 24-hour policy where if you ring or if you text or whatever, we will reply within 24 hours. Uh, and I think that's a really good starting point for because in the past, I've not really had that with, 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 with the agents I've had. 
so that, that that's the way I've always, I've always 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 done it, and that was the 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 passion behind it was. I don't think I think there's a sorry I think there's a market for agents who actually care about the the player and the person. It, with, even with our girls now who play, if they said to me tomorrow, Ryan, I don't want to play football anymore, I wouldn't care. That one wouldn't bother me one bit. So I'd still be the I'd still be the best mate. Still go for food with them, not a problem. Still look after them and try and get them a job doing something else. We, whether they play sport or not, I couldn't care less. We just actually we're looking after the person, not the player. So. That I just think there was a big market for that. Looking after him, setting up after football, um, and yeah, love every minute. It's a it's a very hectic business, um, and and very very stressful, and it's very twenty four seven. You don't really have a day off from it, but love it, love every minute of it. Love love the fact I can I can make an impact on 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 players' careers, and the fact they trust me with their career um, is very humbling and, and a, a massive honour, really. That is fantastic and something I didn't know and something I've learned. That's, that's a fantastic insight there. And obviously we wish you the best with the uh, with the company and obviously for your operation and also with the rest of the season for Lee. And let's hope um, they can get that first win. Um, it, it's weird we're still saying that. And obviously let's hope the sort of business with relegation and all that, you know, it all gets sorted and hopefully it's, it's a... And not so bad end to the season for Lee. Um, but thanks for joining us, Ryan. And that's it for another episode of the Rugby League Review in association with Prost International. We hope you've enjoyed it once again. And next week, we'll have a lot more to talk about um, with the breaking news from the Super League and the Championship. And, and hopefully, another player guest to go along with all of that. Thanks to, to Ben and Ethan as well. I'm your host, Callum Insel, And we'll see you again next time. Thank you.